the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Here to begin today's broadcast of Way of Grace, our teacher and pastor, Jessica Stan. Honor does not reside in your feelings. It resides in God's imperative given to you to do it because God is wiser than you and I about the blessings and benefits of honor. What does honor look like? What do honorable people look like? How do they act? I'm glad you asked. We have a few answers for you today here on Way of Grace as our teacher and pastor, Jessica Stan, will continue our look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and Isaiah chapter 9, among other verses. Our message is called Call to Honor, Being Honorable People. Over the course of this past week, we've looked at what it means to be honorable where honor comes from, where it originates, and what it should look like. We've also taken a look at the dishonorable, the flip side of the coin, if you will. And today we continue with our look at the character of honor. We're in Acts chapter 28, verses 1 through 10, along with a few other passages. And we would invite you to join us. Here's Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward with a look at honor. Dishonorable people have a deficit of weakness And because of that weakness, they are trapped by self-centeredness. And because they're trapped by self-centeredness, they live in the bondage of what? That's good. You don't know it, but it's good. And I need you to get it. Because that's some of us. Some of us are walking in a deficit of weakness. And here's the substratum of what we call the foundation that leads to the fruit of honor. It's always one word, faith. When your faith is weak, you cannot be honorable. Because honor pleases God, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is a substratum to everything. Is that true? And the substratum to faith is what? Love. The substratum to faith is love. That's why we struggle. Because our faith is weak, because our love is weak. And when our faith is weak and our love is weak, then we're dishonorable. Because we're like that person whose whole being is in need of nutrient and resources, and they don't have the ability to give because they don't have nothing to give. Am I making some sense? But this is why playing games with building up your faith has tragic consequences for you. Some of you actually think you don't have to build yourself up in your most holy faith. And as a consequence, you are actually operating in dishonor right now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You don't have the ability to give. You don't have the ability to defer. You don't have the ability to express because you have such a massive deficit in your own soul. Now, you say you're a child of God. Now, if you're a child of God, you're a child of faith. And if you're a child of faith, you're a child of love. And you have the resources. But if you don't tap into them, you can't bear that fruit. It's really true. It's really as simple as I'm saying. 
And that's your Bible. You know what? You know what this pastor is amazed by? Can I tell you what I'm amazed by? The sufficiency of Scripture. Right now, our whole world, particularly the religious world, is going away from any confidence in the Word of God. I'm just the opposite. That Bible is so prolific in its clarity, in its power, in its sufficiency, in its glory, in its wonder, and its splendor. I'm overwhelmed by the Bible. Overwhelmed by its accuracy, overwhelmed by its clarity, overwhelmed by its coherency, overwhelmed by its simplicity, overwhelmed by its claims and its impact and its consequences on those who believe it. I'm overwhelmed by the Bible. The greatest treasure in the world. The Word of God. Dishonorable people operate out of three fundamental deficits. A deficit of weakness, weakness because of a lack of faith. The trap of selfishness. What is the trap of selfishness? First John chapter 2, you heard it before. This is what I mean by the sufficiency of Scripture. But, you know, you guys, I told you before, we're like wicker baskets. Some of y'all got a bunch of holes in your wicker basket. Soon as the water goes in, it goes right out. You're like wicker baskets. So you can't retain the truth to, to where it makes an impact in your life. And you go out of here just the same way you came in. First John chapter 2, 15, 16 through 17 is where, where God says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, because that's all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. It is not of the Father, it is of the world. Do you guys remember that? Well, what God just gave us is a diagnosis of the anatomy of our world system. It's filled with a trap of selfishness. And here's the reason why. It disconnected itself from God. This describes some of us. The lust of the flesh. Some of us wake up daily driven by nothing but the lust of the flesh. All you think about is the flesh. That's all you think about. That's the dominant thing in our life. The flesh. The flesh. The flesh. And, and, and the flesh is an external glory that's fading away even as we look at it. Do you ever take the time to really look at yourself? I mean, just look at yourself and be honest. Gravity is setting in everywhere. And because it's the primacy of your glory, you exercise yourself to the flesh and not to godliness. Because that's the primacy of your glory. Am I telling the truth? The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eye. And the eye becomes for us that symbol of a person's undisciplined curiosity to where your, your passion is in jest viewing everything you can set your eyes on. That's what you live for. Some of you guys are in nirvana because of your cell phones, your iPads, your internet. You get to now gaze on everything in planet Earth. That's where you spend all your life. Some people live and die like this. The lust of the eye. What you doing? You can't, they can't, you can't even hear nobody. 
The second fig leaf. The second fig leaf. It's what Adam and Eve chose over the glory of God. The lust of the eye. Remember? And that's where people are. Leave me alone. I'm in my world. And the pride of life. Pride of life. When you meet with people who are driven by certain goals and certain ambitions and certain objectives, it's less than one minute before they're talking to you about their plans and their goals and their objectives and their, their challenges and their struggles, and God is not in it at all, except as a bellhop to get them there. God's not in it at all. Now, if you were honorable in your thinking, you would prepare your words to help them come out of that trap. But too many of us absorb into the culture. Am I making some sense? You right, girl. Yeah, you right, girl. Girl, you right. Yeah, you right. No, girl, you wrong. You're wrong, girl. You're a child of God. That should, be not, that should not be your identity, nor your passion, nor your goal. Especially not your joy. So, the person that does not talk honorably is a person who does not think honorably, and therefore they do not act honorably because they're operating in a deficit of weakness in a trap of selfishness, and in the bondage of what? Right, so you're going to be able to mark this over the year too when you meet people like that, and you may be that person. And why shouldn't you be insecure when you are stuck on self and disconnected from God? Why shouldn't you be insecure? You should. That's what the fig leaves represent, a loss of security. Do you understand that? The inadequacy of our own self-righteousness Age and abets our insecurity. I wouldn't be comfortable with fig leaves if I was Adam and Eve, would you? No. You know they're going to dry up and, and the wind going to blow. They're going to dry up and the wind going to blow and your tail going to be out again. I'd be insecure too, wouldn't you? And that's where a lot of people are. Let me keep going. So, why dishonorable thinking? It's because... We don't have an understanding of this honor to which God has called us. One example I'm going to use, and it has to do with Peter. Remember in Matthew chapter 16, uh, this is verses 22 through 26. I'm not going to go there for time's sake because I want to move into my latter part. But Peter becomes a model for us of temporary, temporarily collapsing into dishonorable thinking. Remember when our Lord started laying out to the disciples, I've got to go to Jerusalem. I've got to be forsaken by the rulers, beat down, and then ultimately crucified. And in Matthew 16, 22, remember what Peter did? Peter grabbed the Lord Jesus and started shaking him and rebuking him and telling him, no! Do you know what Peter was doing right there? Dishonoring God the Father. Dishonoring God the Son. Dishonoring God the Holy Spirit which is amazing because just seven verses earlier, the Holy Ghost had revealed to Peter that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now down the line, when we continue to deal with characters around, around honor and dishonor, what I am going to say to us is some of us have a stronger propensity to dishonor than we do to honor, and we have to go through the heart lessons that Peter did. God had to really wound Peter to help Peter overcome his narcissism and selfishness. And yet Peter is the one giving us the instruction now in 1 Peter chapter 2, 17. Do we believe in conversion? 
Do we believe in growth? Do we believe in maturity? Peter has grown up, hasn't he? But he understands being wounded by a fleshly mindset that would actually mitigate the, the gospel. Carnality will mitigate the gospel. Peter was saying to Jesus, you don't have to die. Which would be the same thing as saying, the father's not that wise. You don't have to go through all that. Peter was also saying, I'm not that bad. Do you see how wrong doctrine can lead to wrong doctrine can lead to wrong doctrine? To say Christ like that is to say to God, no, we're not that bad of sinners that you have to send your son to die on the cross. We're not totally depraved. We can work this thing out. That's dishonorable thinking. That's the way the world thinks. And that's why Christ said to Peter, Satan, get behind me. Because you never savor the things of God, only the things of men. See what I'm getting at? Let me keep going. Our next point then, point number four. Point number four. The origin of honor is God himself. You guys believe that? Right. So I want to quickly run through this, but it ought to be simple. And yet I would encourage you to, to read these verses. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 27. Pull it up. This is where King David, who becomes the pinnacle of the model of one upon whom God bestows honor and one upon uh, through whom God actually exhibits honor. With all of the difficulties of David's life, David was a very honorable man. And David teaches you and I something about the primacy of honoring God. And I want to make sure I bring that home to you. That David was a person that was enamored by the fact that God had honored him. If you guys recall, when God had told David that out of his own loins would come one who would be the Lord Jesus Christ, the king of the universe, what David said in First Chronicles 16 and in the book of Samuel around chapter 12, he says, how is it that I am the one that you would be so uh, honorable towards when I am nothing, my family is nothing, our house is nothing, yet you talked about me before I even had a being. How is this the way of man? That's the way David was talking. Can I say something to you? The reason why God had a whole lot of love for David, because David was a man after God's own heart. Now, why was David a man after God's own heart? Because David was humble enough to know that God honored him for no reason in David. There was no reason in David. It was no reason in David. And we will go back and snatch David out the archives and show how that God called him in humility and raised him to honor. And that in the process of heading to honor, David be behaved himself honorably, didn't he? Didn't you guys learn that in our series? This little shepherd boy honored God in his role as shepherd behind the mountains in his obscurity. He honored God when he went out to the field to feed his brothers. He honored God when all the army in Israel was shaking in their boots at the Philistine. He honored God. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? The God of heaven and earth, the God of Israel shall slay you right now. That's a 17-year-old boy reeking with testosterone, just ready to go. Remember that? He honored God when nobody else did. And because he honored God, guess what God did? Honored him. First Samuel chapter 230 is what you want to learn. He that honoreth me, him also will I honor. This is what, this is why David was the dude. With all of his weaknesses and foibles, he was the brother. So see, let me just say this as a caveat. Because I am calling us to honor doesn't mean that we're not going to have our ups and downs. 
Do you understand that? It doesn't mean we're not going to have our ups and downs. Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his what? That's why I said honor has the virtue of strength behind it. You guys see it there? Why? Because it comes from God. Proverbs chapter 8 plainly says it. By me do kings reign and nobles decree justice. By me are men honored. By me are men exalted. By me are men lifted up. By me are men made to honor by Christ. You guys got that? All right, let's go to our next point because I'm way overdue. But that's the way I'm always am. In point number five, and you can read the rest of these points under, under point number four for yourself in your own time. And I really do hope you take up our subject matter seriously. David is a great example of the object of bestower of honor. He also honored God in worship. Saints, let me just say this. I, I can't pass this up. Stop being dishonorable about God in worship. Stop it. This applies to some of you. Stop being dishonorable about God in worship. Whether you know it or not, worship is where God most blesses you relative to your everyday life. And because of your dishonor towards God in worship, you fail to experience the blessings when you leave. Like right now, you are being blessed tremendously. Tremendously. This is not a secondhand honor of me. I just know what honor is. I know what it means to be in the presence of God. I know what it means for God to be present. I know what it means for God to speak to our soul. I know what it means for him to speak to us in a pointed, in a very clear way. I know that. And I know that that's God honoring us because there are churches all over the world where people gather and God is not there. God is not there. And do you think God is calling you to 52 weeks of dishonoring him? This is going to be one of, the, one of the lists. Honor God in your worship. See, the reason why God honored David the way he did, David was a radical worshiper of God. He set the whole system of worship because God is to be glorified in worship. Do you understand that? May God move you to another level, a greater clarity, a, a, a sense of understanding of the depth of it. I'm not talking foolish, sensual, hyper-emotionalism. I'm not talking that. That's crazy. I'm talking a sincere depth of worship that moves your soul to worship God honorably. Honorably, based upon revelation. There's some of us that are way too cool. It's dishonorable. Way too cool. Probably cold. Now, I do believe that God has to work through the whole of our system to create a fire that goes up and down and turn you into a cherubim. You saw it, remember? The man on the throne, the Lord Jesus, the fire going up and down him. And when John saw him in Revelation chapter 1, he turned and saw him, the voice that spake with him, and he saw the fire coming out of his eyes. He saw the fire having brazened his feet. Christ was white hot for God all the time. White hot for God all the time. That's foolishness to some of you. I know it. I know it's foolishness to some of you. You're too cool in worship. You with me? Too cool. Point number five. The character of what I'm calling attributes of honor. I'm going to stop right here. The character and attributes of honor. We've talked about honor. We've defined honor. And honor is the 
way we think, the way we speak, the way we act, it's a behavior, and it becomes an attitude, really. And there are seven things I want to say about it. First and foremost, when you and I are operating out of an honor principle, we are sincere. Do you guys see that, that characteristic? It's really an attribute. I'll talk about the difference between the two later on down the line. Sincerity simply means that you are not intentionally bringing into your motivation and drive for something a hypocritical motive. Sincerity, is, it really means that you are thoroughly genuine about what you're doing. Am I making some sense? And that's essential to your worship of God or honor of God or honor of anyone. If you are seeking to honor someone, but it's mixed with a hypocrisy, it's going to be the flattery I'm going to talk about here in a moment. So you have to be sincere. You have to be sincere. And then honesty. Now, honesty and sincerity are two different things. Sincerity avoids hypocrisy. Honesty simply means to bring to bear what you really know about the situation. No more, no less. I'm just being honest. You know how we use that phrase? I'm just being what? Right. I'm not qualifying it by a bunch of qualifiers. I'm just being honest. And when we're honoring someone, it's simply because the data has come in and we understand the data and they are appropriately now do the honor that is to be bestowed upon them. Thirdly, honor is what? It's discreet. Now, let me say something about discretion. This is critical. Discretion means that you are not seeking to honor someone in a way that actually uh, denies them being honored or exposes them to some kind of scandal or puts them in an embarrassing situation. When you honor people, you're discreet. There's a discretion in honoring people. That's the underlying principle by which God operates with you and me. Oh, do you know how jacked up I would be if all y'all knew everything that I was thinking right now, whenever I preach? Do you understand that God has blanketed all of us with a kind of discretion that allows us to interact and be with each other while as yet you don't know everything about me and I don't know everything about you and we don't need to know everything about us? Down the line, when I, when I deal with honor on the category of forgiveness, because I'm going to talk about honor in the area of forgiveness, I'm going to remind you once again that you don't forget everything and you don't remember everything. And because you don't forget everything and you don't remember everything, you and I are wrong in what we remember and what we forget. And only God remembers correctly and only God forgets totally. And that's because of the doctrine of forgiveness. And that's why he tells us to honor one another by forgiving one another. Because you don't remember correctly and you don't forget correctly. Only God remembers, only God forgets because he gave us his son as his forgiveness to us. That's good. So sincerity is what the true character of honor is. It's honest, it's discreet. It's also what? That's right. It's also discerning and discriminating. It does not what? Right. So as we are going to be working through this over the next coming weeks and months, and you guys are practicing among yourself as the saints do, don't flatter. Proverbs chapter 26 verse 1 tells us that honor is not fitting for a fool. Honor is not fitting for a fool. And verse 8 tells us that wise people will not bestow honor upon a fool. That's like giving a stone into the sling of someone that's going to harm you with it. Did you guys hear what I just stated? 
You don't just honor everyone in any kind of way. When it says honor all men, it means using discretion and discrimination and discernment as to how they should be honored. And I laid it out in your outline. They should be worthy of it. Honor is what you think, say, and do towards those whom both God has told us to honor and those who what? To those whom God has told us to what? And those who what? Which means that honor is not a matter of how you feel. I don't feel like honoring him. I don't feel like honoring her. Honor does not reside in your feelings. It, re- it resides in God's imperative given to you to do it because God is wiser than you and I about the blessings and benefits of honor. Such a wonderful time here in God's Word. It's our hope and prayer that you're growing in grace as you take the time to study God's Word with us. We thank you for joining us. This is Way of Grace, the ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward. We would leave you with an invitation. If you enjoyed the time you've had with us today studying God's Word, please consider this a formal invitation to join us in person. Sunday services at Grace Bible Church in Hayward are at 11 a.m. Sunday schools at 10. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We've got a lot of folks from all over and from a variety of churches joining us Friday evenings at 8 p.m. for this Bible study. You're invited to either one. We're located at 20450 Royal Avenue. That's here in Hayward. And the zip code is 94541. If you're trying to tom-tom us or uh, Google us for the map, You can also get directions at our website, grace-bible.com. Again, that's grace-bible.com. Or simply call for directions, 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. As always, we have CDs available. You can download the messages off our website or call us and order a CD of today's broadcast or any program that you have heard here on Way of Grace. We'd be more than happy to get one out to you. You can call us at 510-886-9782 or stop by our website, grace-bible.com. We do thank you for spending time with us today. Trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.